Welcome to the Innovate Podcast. I'm David Castro, an Ashoka Fellow and CEO of the Institute for Leadership, Education, Advancement, and Development. Innovate features dialogue with social entrepreneurs, visionaries, and leading scholars engaged in transformative thinking, action, and creative collaboration. Innovate is produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal. The program is underwritten by Arch Street Press, publisher for the creative, collaborative community. Find out more on the web at archstreetpress.org. Today, our guest is Susie Katz, founder and president of Photo Wings, with a mission to highlight and facilitate the power of photography to influence the world. Photo Wings works to ensure that photography is better understood, created, utilized, seen, and saved, and fosters personal reflection, communication, and social action. Susie and her colleagues at Photo Wings have partnered with dozens of influential organizations and individuals. Photo Wings taps into the power of images to tell stories, develop critical thinking skills, protect legacies, and share the power of voice and communication. Susie, thank you so much for joining our conversation today. Well, I'm thrilled to be invited, and I admire your work as well. Terrific, terrific. Now, as you know, this is an audio podcast, so I was thinking about this. We face the very ironic challenge of not using images to talk about the power of images, <laughs> but we will do our best. And um, then again, you know, I was also thinking one of the things I do love about audio is that it frees up your eyes while you're listening. So hopefully as people listen to this interview, they'll be taking in the images around them and thinking about their importance. And I'd really like to begin our dialogue today focusing on you as a social entrepreneur as much about photo wings and really dive into your journey. And so could you take us back to the beginning to your own um, relationship with photography and how that tell us about how that passion emerged and how it ultimately manifested it through your work in photo wings. My parents were both photographers and we always had a lot of old photo albums around the house and I was mesmerized by them because I felt like they took me back in history to people I had never met, experiences that I had never had but wanted to. Uh, people I wanted to get to know better, and it was really history, and it brought it to life, so it fascinated me. And I, there's a picture that I took as a little girl of one of my dolls. I must have been about four, and then I took uh, a camera to school, I remember, in the sixth grade. I don't know why I did, but it was so interesting. Everybody treated me me different and they were interested in what I was doing and now I have photos of the sixth grade and it made me realize how early on something like that can be impactful. Uh, one of the other things I've noticed is that we had, uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money so we had, uh, we had photos from a magazine of famous paintings. And as soon as I had the first opportunity, I went and traveled and looked at those paintings. And I'm sure that they impacted my life. Ah, that's fascinating. So you give us a time frame on this, your, your experience. It predates digital photography, right? So you're, you, you remember how people used to work in dark rooms. And, and when did you uh, begin to really 
dive into some of the technical aspects of developing uh, photos because I know there's sort of in photography there's this like anything there's this transition point where you're like well I'm gonna make my own pictures and suddenly you're at it in it at a very different level when when did that um, take place for you in your experience well I think it probably started developing in my mind uh, when I would look through the old photos and they started becoming indelibly etched into my brain and when I start my own presentations, I always start saying that I was profoundly influenced by show and tell because I would visually think about something uh, that I would want to bring. And uh, also, I have to say that I think they also developed uh, through my eyes. My, uh, I had a therapist, uh, a psychologist once that told me that I became very observant at a young age because I came from a difficult family and I had to become observant so I could get out of the way of trouble. So uh, I think that it has to do with the way that the brain was wired. And then uh, my early 20s is when I really started getting into photography. I was uh, friends with an art director who gave me the advice to figure out what everybody else was doing and try to figure out a creative, unusual way to do things. And that's informed everything that I've done. I started out processing the old uh, the old ectochrome, and uh, I was never great in the darkroom, and actually somebody told me once, do you want to be a darkroom technician or a photographer? So even though I couldn't afford it, I started sending it out. Ha. So one of the fascinating things to me about photography, especially as it's emerged, is, you know, the, the sort of distinction between amateurs and professionals and, and how but basically we've now armed just everybody on the planet Earth with a cell phone that can take pictures. And, and yet there is this whole uh, layer of photography. You're, you yourself are an award-winning photographer, and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that journey in terms of your education, like like what's the balance of experience versus learning versus learning from a professional and, and how did that take shape in your life, the uh, getting into it as a professional, what steps, what was your path like in that journey? I did it the same way I do everything in life. I look at what I'm interested in and then I talk to everybody that I possibly can in any shape or form that has something to do with what I'm interested in whether my coming out to California and talking to people in different cities or when I wanted to become a photographer I talked to every photographer I could and asked them questions what is your life like are you is was there something you would do different uh, what books of, are of interest to you what have you learned through what you do, good and bad, how can I do it differently? And I came to realize that you know, everyone takes pictures, it's ubiquitous, everyone has a camera, but not everybody can really see. And there's a big difference between getting a likeness and capturing the essence of something. And I realized that someone that may be a wonderful food photographer can't take a picture of people and vice versa. So everyone has their skills. And the, the sooner you identify what you're really good at, the better. And also to realize that you learn more from failure than you do from things that you do well. So you try a whole lot of things, get out of your comfort zone, and then figure out what it is that you're most passionate about that you do the best. In, in your life, as in many the life of many photographers, we've seen this uh, incredible revolution in, in the use of digital photography and, and some of the things that that makes available to people, the ease with which people can now take um, pictures and um, 
the technology that's available, the cost, you know, continues to, to, to plummet. And um, you've thought a lot very deeply about how the process of taking pictures changes the world and, and enables social change. And one question I had, which I really wanted to try to get out from you, is your thoughts about how this incredible revolution in digital photography um, has has uh, affected the world. I mean, it's clearly affected the world in ways that we are probably hard to understand right now. Um, you know, we're so immersed in it, we're not able to see it. But uh, to talk, talk to me a little bit about that with a special focus on having lived through that transition to digital imaging. The world of photography is on its ear. It's a crisis, and I think people don't realize it, and that's one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing. The people who have documented our world were able to make a living, never a great living, and now there are so many people out with cameras in the world that the best ones in the world are, are not able to get to the locations that they need. And when they take pictures, they're not able to get them out anymore because their major magazines and newspapers have closed down. So it's, I believe it's the responsibility of everyone to learn to at least document better than they possibly currently do and to learn to tell stories so that they can help make change. And also, when it's my belief that photography is incredibly underutilized, both through these remarkable photographers that are now making a lot of their living teaching other people how to photograph, but they've been at the forefront of history. And not only do we have the photographs that we've seen, for every photograph we see, there's probably thousands that we haven't seen, that can be brought out, out into the world that can really be learned from. And the lessons that they've learned, it's about the pictures, but it's also about the skills around the pictures. When someone goes into a new community, they have to be able to synthesize a very complex issue to bring, make it into a story. And they've learned to communicate. Communication is one of the huge things that you get for, through photography. And that's one of the reasons that we've done the work we've done with Ashoka, both with our webinar and with this current grant and going forward, because it can really bring the ability to communicate and for people to understand better. So, as you'll see in some of our projects and some of our uh, the pages from the winners that they explained that in many cases, maybe they didn't have the best photography out there and they could have done more with someone with a little bit more experience. And had they been mentored, they could have brought uh, back a better story or that a photograph, it's a starting point for a conversation that you might not have had, whether that's intergenerational, like Dublin City University, where they have a graduate student, maybe in their 20s, talking with somebody in their 80s that they never would have spoken to in a million years, or two people standing in front of an image talking about it from entirely different perspectives, whether it's a stockbroker or the person cleaning up uh, in the evening. There's, there's amazing things to be gained in so many levels from photography. So they can be a conversation starter that can bring people together that normally wouldn't have met. Um, and their history, that's the other thing that I feel passionate about, that a photograph you take today might not seem important to you now, 
but later it may become the last picture ever taken of someone, or it could be something that is like, like in the Abu Ghraib where it became evidence. There are so many levels, which I think maybe people don't consider. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, I think that, um, one of the things that's just so interesting about the way in which the world has developed. I mean, if you go back before the digital uh, photography revolution, people had to, photography was much more limited. I mean, it was very important, as you say, but much more limited. Now it's incredibly democratized. And it's almost like the language of images is something now that people have to master as much as they would have to master using words. Like in order to really be impactful in communications, because everyone is now equipped with the ability to take images, images can all almost become part of our of our language that we use on a regular basis. And and in fact, they are becoming part of our language much more so than probably they ever were. So, I mean, I think you're really onto something just so fascinating about the way in which communications is shifting um, in human communities. Um, along, you know, along those lines, uh, we discuss visual literacy. And I think people look at photographs, but they don't look at them deeply. We call it deep looking, where if you really look at an image, most people just walk by them. And that's one of the things that Howard Gardner and people and brain experts are talking about. But if you really look at an image, you can learn so much more than just glancing at it. If you look at gestures and body language and how someone presents themselves, and maybe if it's in an office, what, what they might have on the walls. There's so much that you can learn, a little forensic looking uh, can really go a long way. And that's something that I think really can be developed in many, many, many ways. So tell us as a way of sort of maybe organizing our thoughts in this area, because this is really the meat of what Photo Wings is about. Could you tell us just a little bit of, because uh, we explored a little bit your background and how that sets the stage for this. But tell us about the emergence of, of photo wings, if you could. And, um, you know, because you've had the experience that many social entrepreneurs have, all, almost all social entrepreneurs have this, which is that you have a passion for something, an interest, and then suddenly you say, you know what, I'm going to create an organization that does this. So if you could just tell that part of the journey for you, the moment when you said, you know what, I'm going to create this organization. How, how, did, how did that happen? Well, it originally started uh, when a friend of mine who was a brilliant travel writer died at age 42, and she called her friends on her deathbed and asked about eight of us to help keep her work alive. And looking all over her house, I found all these amazing things that, that most of us didn't know about her, that she was a poet and she was a painter and a philosopher, and she wrote about her illness. And I started thinking about all the different things that you can learn from someone if you just spend some time. So Photo Wings is packed with everything that I know about photography in a way that people can find things if they really explore them, if they're interested in going to a museum or they're maybe interested in taking their work to a nonprofit to see if they're interested in their work or to be inspired by other people's photography or if they want to take a class. So we have a very extensive resource center. And the other is all these questions that I didn't understand that help lead to what I'm doing. Like how does work get into a museum? Uh, how does work get published? Uh, how does somebody curate images? Um, uh, how, how does a war photographer do what they do? How do they 
make ethical decisions? Um, uh, how do they store their work and do they think about that? Um, we have a lot of self-discovery kinds of tools on there through the webinar. I tried to pack our resource center and our website into everything that anybody might be interested if it's 3 a.m. and they can't sleep and they want to figure out something out or just to be inspired, they can go to different places on the website and uh, really learn firsthand from these original interviews that I've made. Um, there's hundreds and probably thousands of hours, which we've broken down into what I call slicing and dicing so that it's there's a section for legacy and uh, empathy and uh, ethics so that they can really break that down and find it useful and we're getting more and more into education where we're hoping that people will take some of these and use them whether they're going to become a photographer or whether they're teaching history class or a psychology department or they're the families of wounded soldiers uh, there's many many ways so it's a resource that can be dispersed and utilized in many 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 ways and our outreach program is what we're doing uh, the grants that we've given there everything we do uh, has to have ripples it has to not just be for one thing it has to be something that a lot of people can learn from whether it's something called the foundry photojournalism workshop where the top photographers in the world go to a different continent every year and teach people to photograph their own community or whether it's and some of that can be used in a in a classroom for what I call mentoring of high school students, for example. So th we're this is one of the fascinating things about your work, I think, is the way that you have these uh, wonderful partnerships that are project based. And I really want to dive into to, to one of them, and also just wanted to make a, a comment also that when you when you look at the information that's available about photography uh, on the web, so much of it is technical in nature. And one of the beautiful things about Photo Wings is the really deep philosophical questioning that you bring to the practice. So just wanted to say how much I appreciated that. The um, but. We're on the verge of uh, the 2014 Ashoka U conference in in um, Providence, and you're unveiling a pretty substantial project that you have been working on with Ashoka U. And I wonder if you could talk about that because it's such a great illustration of your work. It's been a natural evolution and progression uh, into my philosophy that it's about the photographs, but it's also about the ideas around the photographs. And that's where we're kind of turning photography on its ear. And we're trying to figure out different ways it can be utilized. So it's not just awareness, it's a way to really make it work for us and to get people to think about photography in a whole new way. Um, one of the things that I've learned is I've really stood on the shoulders of giants and they're not the ones that are household names typically. Um, I believe that you can learn from any, everything we do in life informs everything else we do in life, whether it's somebody that just gives you words like, uh, there's a teacher that I had named Maury Kamhai and he said that I can't teach you anything you can't learn on your own, but what I can do is to save you time. So working with Marina and Aaron, who were absolutely brilliant, we actually spent two days working on how we can bring out the best of some of these ideas and into the into the Ashoka U network. Because I wanted, again, to find a way to have 
as much bang for your buck and to have as much dimension. And I figured the best way to possibly do it is through education. And the and the Ashoka U represents the best of the best of the best of higher education, the best thinkers. So we put together this insights program that had to be photo based. It's called Insights Past, Present and Future Self Through Photography. And what we wanted to do was for people to get out of their silos and out of their comfort zone and to figure out ways to work with other people. It was open to students, to faculty, staff, trustees, and um, um, I forget the other one right offhand. Uh, it, was, it was open to five, five different, um, let's see, trust, trustees, faculty, staff, alumni, and trustees. And we wanted it to be cross-disciplinary as much as possible. And um, we wanted people to incorporate our values, the, these, this word cloud that we have, collaboration, storytelling, critical thinking skills, legacy, uh, empathy, resilience, and to create something that was unique. And uh, also that something that wouldn't just be a one-off, that's something that could potentially have legs and go uh, to, the, to the other campuses and to really act as conversation starters to really get projects out into the world more. So they had to be an exhibit. It had to be on a website. It had to be something that was not just something someone else was doing that we were helping to fund, but something to think of incorporating photography in a new way. Right. And so what's happened is that if I understand it right, that um, an Ashoka U, for listeners who may not realize this, but Ashoka U is this really nationwide movement of universities and colleges that are helping people to learn social entrepreneurship and what Ashoka calls change making. And so if I understand this right, there were these projects that were then done at various uh, campuses that are part of Ashoka U where people used uh, photography as part of their storytelling and part of their gaining insight into various initiatives that were going on in connection with their change-making activities and their social entrepreneurship. Have I, have I said that right? Okay, well, a couple of things. First of all, Ashoka U is now worldwide. There's 24 campuses, and we have nine winners in four countries. Wow, so yes. And- and almost all of them are new programs. A few of them uh, built uh, built a, a photographic element into something they were all already doing, but some of them were brand new. For example, the one at Rollins uh, is that they felt that their community was painted by the Trayvon Martin incident, and how can one community be painted by one incident? So it's about rediscovering their community. And this woman went and she realized she couldn't go into all the communities. So she rode a bus to see where in the community that they could explore to really help people understand other people in the community. Uh, The one with uh, George Mason is absolutely remarkable. And we're, we have, all of these projects are on our website. We built a special section on our website that talks about the overall project. And then there's an individual page in depth for every single project. I personally went to Dublin and documented uh, their intergenerational change program. I took photographs and we made a video of it to explain it. Um, 
were make uh, with uh, the prison one with George Mason. Uh, that's a remarkable young man who's done a lot with photographs. And what his his project is called Windows from Prison. And he asks the question: If you could have a window in in your cell, what place from your past would it look out to? And he had students go and interact with the prisoners, took a photograph of it, and there's letters. But he's also bringing in uh, the um, women's studies and uh, African-American studies, and he's dealing with uh, youth uh, out outreach services, and he's bringing in legislators and policy people and uh, the families. And he's bringing them together. He's built an, a, a very specific sculpture that he dealt with with their sculpture department. Uh, he's taken it to so many, many areas. Uh, see, there's another one on diversity, uh, where for people to explain a moment when they felt uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, Tulane, uh, they dealt with civil rights activism. So the, these projects are individual. They're absolutely remarkable. They're, uh, one, one of them is I Dream of Home, uh, a community that has a very diverse uh population in Northampton and what what is home to you so it's not just that that um, the participating campuses used photography to document something that was going on these were projects in many cases that were really conceived with photography being a central element of of the project am I hearing that right Yes, yes. It had to be. It's, it had to start with photography, and how many departments could they go out and bring in, and how many other uh, collaborators could they have? Whether it's a think tank or a policy or the newspaper or uh, a dance company. In one case, uh, it's the how how creative, how out of the box can you think? That's so great. That's so great. I wanted to focus on on one element of this work, which I think is so important. And Ashoka has, as you know, a huge um, initiative on empathy. And you talk about empathy in your work. And I wonder if you could um, meditate with us for a, a little bit on the specific subject of empathy and how photography can enable the development of empathy in communities I think it really can be powerful, but I'm sure you have some experiences and stories to illustrate that idea. Well, that's that's at the heart of why I love old pictures and why I'm so passionate about people looking at, at images that they may never have looked at, because that's how you really learn about other people. And whether it's bringing, it's the woman riding the bus to go into community she hadn't had, or this intergenerational learning, there's uh, several of them that are doing that. The Tulane, for example, they had the students interviewing and taking photographs of the people that were leaders in this or involved in civil rights movement. When else would they have had an opportunity to interact with these people and learn their stories? And in Dublin, they uh, they sit down and they, they share pictures. Both the young people bring in their pictures and the older people bring in theirs. And they talk about a time in their life that they would never have had the opportunity to talk about otherwise. And they really learn about one another and they see them through a new light in a way that they, they wouldn't have done otherwise. 
It's so interesting because um, it's something that, I, again, I think we take for granted, but when you really step back and think about it, that a picture tells you so much about the person that takes the picture because it, it reveals what they care about. It reveals how they frame things. It reveals, you know, the subject matter that's of concern. And, and, um, and oftentimes just that explanation of what the meaning of these images are can be just so illuminating. And, and, uh, that really comes through, um, in your work. And it's, it's one of the ways I think in which our educational process is really so, uh, different than it used to be because we have access to images and, and can use images in ways that really were beyond our capability. I see this with my own children in their schoolwork, how they are able to integrate images in, in a way that I just couldn't because we didn't have access to the technology to be able to do that. But uh, selecting images for presentations and so on has become a, criti a critical part of any communications process. And, and on both sides of the camera, because one of the things that interests me and I think is very useful in this project is two people, 10 people can look at one image and completely have different opinions about what happened, how they feel about it. And it, it's so individual. It's a real, it's a, it's a window into how someone thinks as to how they may react to a photograph. And uh, on the other side of the camera, if you're the one taking a photograph, it's a different kind of interaction than you would normally have, particularly if you have to do a lot of research around what you're going to photograph or the, the process of communication with the person to try to capture their essence. It, these are skills that Ellen Galinsky, who's an, who's an expert in early childhood education, she did a book called Mind in the Making, and she said, she told me, she said, Susie, these are all the same skills that someone needs in early childhood education. And indeed, to become perceptive and these communication skills are useful, whether you're going to a party to meet a future spouse or you're going for a job interview. They're all the same skills. Absolutely. That whole, um, it's fascinating how people... Uh, construct narratives around images and, and, and how the, the narratives told by different people may be very different. I think that is getting to the same concept that you're saying, that how we interpret images just reveals so much about our similarities and differences. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, there's just so many layers of this work. It's, it's, it's really amazing um, to, to see. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we, we have, um, we're getting towards towards the end of our time. And I wonder if you could share uh, your thoughts about the trajectory of this work in the future. Uh, how do you see, what are your uh, ambitions uh, for, for Photo Wings? And, and um, perhaps in that context, even tell us some projects that you're working on now that uh, will, will be emerging later on. Well, for one thing, we love working with Ashoka U. And some of these projects we're going to be taking to the next level. And we're trying to get some of them uh, to get, have some, some of them move into other campuses, such as the intergenerational one. Uh, the people in Dublin are already speaking with the people in Arizona. I think that that program, it is so easy. You just get younger people and older people and put them in the room with photographs. It doesn't take 
a lot. Uh, the one with prisons, I think, has an extraordinary uh, potential. Uh, there are several of them that we would, we can see taking uh, to another level. We we're, we've been talking about extending, deepening, and broadening these, and also opening it up most likely to another round of seeing what people come up with. It's so fascinating. And I, it's my goal to bring photography more and more into education, into the curriculum, into the classroom, and into after-school programs, and to just to get th people to think about photography in a new way. When I go to the TED conference, for example, I speak with people there. There's something called Renaissance Weekend, where I'm able to talk with people from a lot of different disciplines, but the university is a very natural place. The other thing that I mentioned earlier that I'm passionate about is we're at this start of working on a campaign to get people to, to save and respect their photos, whether it's the old albums, there's so many of them that are getting thrown away or not really utilized. And I believe that we're at a crisis where there may not be these old photographs into the future. In the digital age, I've heard of three cases where people flushed a cell phone down the toilet or that they weren't able to migrate pictures of their newborn. And if people don't migrate them and save them, uh, they're not going to be around to be valued later. It's fascinating to see that transition between the archive being something that is on paper on a shelf, uh, transitioning to these digital archives where, and then uh, also some of the chaos that's created out of that. I was talking to somebody recently who's a friend of mine who has thousands of pictures online and he doesn't know what to do with them. You know, he doesn't know how to organize them and, and, and the, and the challenge of deciding what to keep and what not to keep and how to ensure that it will remain stable for the future. And you can imagine, I, I, I was looking at some statistics, but the literally billions of images that are being produced now uh, by human beings around the earth, this is really a, this is something that's going to require some intensive thought as to how to archive properly. Uh, so that's very important work, very important work. Um, a lot of our listeners are people studying social entrepreneurship and uh, perhaps emerging uh, social entrepreneurs. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is to talk a little bit about your perspective as a social entrepreneur and to offer some words of wisdom um, to people. We all know that in doing work like this, there are ups and downs. There are um, you know, hard mountains to climb and places where you go, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is worth it. And uh, if you could share some of what you've learned uh, along the journey about how to be effective and uh, perhaps what sustains you, what keeps your motivation um, to, to, to make an impact. I would suggest that people go to our webinar because I have a lot of interviews of people that I've done that are very, very smart that speak to the very things that they care about and that they're going to run up against, whether it's resilience or um, critical thinking skills, how to storytelling, uh, all of those things are addressed one way or another if they go to the Photo Wings Ashoka U webinar. Um, it's my belief that mentoring is huge, and I've done a lot of informational interviewing. I have an insatiable curiosity. So really get out of your silo, and don't just talk to the obvious people. Try to talk to people that you normally wouldn't talk to, and listen to a lot of interviews that, such as yours, 
of how other people have done things that can help save you time, uh, to think in layers. And also, I think that there's, there's a real spirit of generosity as someone who gives grants and has been, I've been on both sides of this coin. Um, when people think that they're just going to take the money and use it and not follow through or um, deal generously with the person that gave it, um, I think that they're shortchanging themselves because the people that give money don't do it because they just want to do it. They do it because they're interested and they care. And there's a real generosity that is reciprocated. Uh, that is one of the things that I think people underestimate. Um, and yeah. just, just to continue learning is huge. And like I said, get out of your silo. Right. So a lot of great ideas there. Mentorship. Uh, being open to new learning um, and your the resources that you have the resources that you just mentioned are they available through the Photo Wings uh, website? Everything is online for free, just for these purposes. It's for educating people so that they can replicate, they can learn, they can grow. Uh, I would also highly recommend that they really explore the work of some of our photographers. Uh, the uh, the best photographers in the world. It's about the pictures. But they're brilliant people, and the skill sets that they have to be able to do what they do are transfer transferable and translatable. And and so also some people listening to this may want to support uh, your work or support the causes that you support. I understand that you know Photo Wings is also a funder, and um, and so what? Where can we send people who maybe want to give? Where should they give? Where would you encourage them to go to support these causes and and uh, and work that you're doing? They could they can contact Photo Wings uh, at uh, info at photowings p h o t o w i n g s dot org. Uh, they can send us ideas uh, if they have an amazing project. Uh, we're particularly interested in getting our content out into the world, as I said, in education or to people that need it. So if they have ideas, uh, we're open to any any good ideas. And if you have a great project or if you know of a remarkable archive that's at risk, please tell us. That's great. That's great. Well, we'll make sure to put, uh, of course, we'll put the website up and we'll also uh, put up that email address so that uh, uh, people know where to find you. And um, and that is the primary place would be your website would be where to go to find Photo Wings. Are there any other web spaces that they should look to or photowings.org is it? Well, it starts with photowings.org. We're on Facebook. Please like us on Facebook. We're on Tumblr. We're on Twitter. Great. So we'll make sure to include all those um, all those links as well. And um, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's awesome. Uh, deeply appreciated in the Ashoka U community. I know that. And I look forward to seeing and learning more in just uh, uh, less than a week in, um, in Providence. Absolutely. We're going to be taping our two-hour workshop, and uh, please recommend to people go and look at some of these projects that people are doing, and they're not static. They're going to be growing, so please come back and look at it, and also keep us in mind when you think of your old photographs and you take new photographs, uh, document them at the highest resolution, and don't just toss them. You may never know what's going to be important later. 
terrific, terrific. And we'll come back at a later date and catch up and find out where we are in the journey. Thank you so much, Susie, for joining us today. Thank you, David. I really admire your work as well. On behalf of our producers and sponsors, Art Street Press, Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our work, visit us at artstreetpress.org.